This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. There's a strange kind of thrill in starting anew, in stepping into a space that is yours to claim and cultivate. This was the sensation that stirred in my chest as Mark and I pulled into the driveway of our new home. An elegant Victorian house nestled in the quiet of a small Oregon town. It was everything we dreamed of and more. What struck me most about it was the price, astoundingly low, almost as if someone was in a hurry to let it go. This is it, Jess, Mark said, a wide grin on his face as he killed the engine. The car ticked in the afternoon sun, cooling from the long drive as we sat for a moment, taking in the sight before us. It's perfect, I breathed out hardly believing that we'd finally achieved our dream. The house stood tall and dignified, its old-world charm enhanced by the backdrop of lush trees and the sleepy town. Yet I couldn't shake a feeling of unease. It seemed too good to be true. I shook off my doubts as we stepped out of the car, our dog Marvin jumping excitedly between us. The lawn was sprawling and immaculate, perfect for Marvin's afternoon frolics. As we stepped onto the creaky wooden porch, the scent of varnish and aged wood filled the air. Welcome home, Mark whispered into my ear, taking my hand. We unlocked the heavy front door, its paint slightly chipped, revealing decades of history beneath. As we stepped inside, the house greeted us with an echo that sent a chill up my spine. For the rest of the day, we busied ourselves with unpacking and arranging our things. We filled the house with our laughter, our hopes, and our dreams. Yet, as the sun dipped below the horizon and the rooms filled with shadows, I couldn't shake the feeling of eyes on me, a presence lingering in the corners of my vision. Every creak of the floorboards, every gust of wind through the attic felt amplified in the silence of the night. Marvin seemed restless too, pacing at the foot of the stairs, his eyes unblinking and ears alert. His usual jovial demeanor was replaced with unease. First night in a new place, Marvin, I tried to soothe him. It's going to be okay, boy. Mark and I settled down for the night, the fatigue of the day pulling us into a deep sleep. Yet, even in my dreams, I couldn't shake the feeling that something wasn't right. When I woke in the middle of the night, the house was eerily quiet. A cold breeze blew in from the window, causing the curtains to flutter. I turned to find Marvin sitting at the foot of our bed, his eyes fixed on the bedroom door, a low growl reverberating from his throat. Mark's breaths were steady and deep next to me. Just the first night jitters, I whispered to myself, pulling the covers closer. Yet despite my attempts at comfort, the strange feeling persisted, a sense of foreboding that turned our dream into an enigma. We didn't know then that this was just the beginning of our unwelcome journey into the unexplainable. 
the first night in the house that seemed too good to be true. A new day dawned, chasing away the unease of the previous night. Mark and I began the grueling task of unboxing our lives, carefully arranged and compartmentalized into cardboard containers. We wanted everything to be perfect, for our belongings to find their new home within our dream house. I handled the delicate task of arranging our books on the tall, built-in shelves in the study. Mark, meanwhile, was busy assembling our furniture. The sound of his hammering echoed through the house, a comforting backdrop to my thoughts. Marvin alternated between supervising us, his tail wagging in contentment. It was a simple day, filled with sweat and laughter, and the strange feeling of the previous night seemed a distant memory. As dusk fell, we sat down for a well-earned rest, marveling at the order we had created out of our chaos. The house already felt more like home, our possessions breathing life into it. We retreated to our bedroom, exhausted yet satisfied. Marvin seemed calmer too, settling down at the foot of our bed, his watchful eyes slowly drooping with sleep. Yet when I woke up the next morning, I was greeted by an unsettling sight. The neatly arranged books in the study were now scattered across the floor, some even resting on the couch across the room. I stood in the doorway, my heart pounding, my mind racing. Mark, I called out, my voice echoing through the house. He came rushing, his face pale as he took in the sight. We must have had a visitor, he said, attempting to inject humor into the bizarre situation. But his eyes told a different story, filled with the same confusion and worry that churned within me. We spent the rest of the day setting things right, trying to convince ourselves of ordinary explanations. Marvin, who would usually be running around in excitement at the unusual activity, seemed subdued. He lingered in the hallway, watching us with wary eyes. The kitchen was no better. Our utensils, carefully arranged the previous day, were in disarray. Pots and pans were littered across the floor as if thrown in a fit of rage. Even our bedroom was not spared. Clothes we had neatly folded were strewn around. The drawers of the dresser left ajar. Throughout the day, we laughed it off, attributing it to the hustle and bustle of the move, perhaps even a prank by some neighborhood kids. Yet, the laughter didn't quite reach our eyes, the unease growing with each passing hour. By evening, we were on edge, the house not feeling quite like the sanctuary we'd hoped it would be. Marvin clung to our side, refusing to venture on his own. The joy of setting up our new home was quickly being replaced by a creeping sense of dread. That night we went to bed with heavy hearts, the events of the day casting a long shadow over our dreams. As I closed my eyes, I couldn't shake off a distinct feeling, a cold whisper in the back of my mind. It seemed the house had a mind of its own, a mind that didn't appreciate our intrusion. And as the moon cast eerie shadows across our room, I couldn't help but wonder if our dream house was morphing into a nightmare. The morning light brought little relief. The unsettling chaos of the previous day weighed on us as we navigated through breakfast. Our conversations strained and filled with unspoken worries. Marvin was unusually quiet, sticking close to me as if sensing my unease. We decided to focus on setting up our electronics, hoping the familiarity of our devices would bring some semblance of normalcy. Mark worked on connecting the television and the home theater system while I dealt with setting up our computers and home office. By late afternoon, we had managed to organize everything. We synced our phones and set our digital clocks to the correct local time. We took a step back to admire our handiwork, a sense of accomplishment lightening the mood. 
For a moment, it felt like our lives were slowly falling into place again. As we settled in for the night, I noticed the time flashing on our bedroom clock. It was wildly off, showing three hours ahead. Confused, I reached for my phone, but the screen remained stubbornly dark. My battery was drained, despite having charged it to full just a few hours ago. Mark, is your phone working? I called out, my voice shaky. He came over, pulling his phone out and staring at it in disbelief. His battery too was drained. We must have some electrical issue, Mark murmured, though his brow was furrowed in worry. The events of the past few days had started to chip away at our skepticism, allowing fear to seep in. Marvin seemed to pick up on our anxiety. His ears perked up, and he gave a low growl. His gaze focused on the darkened hallway outside our room. We reassured him, our words sounding hollow even to our ears. The anomalies continued into the night. The television turned on and off by itself, the flickering screen casting grotesque shadows across the living room. Our laptops, though fully charged, shut down abruptly. Even the lights seemed to dim and brighten of their own accord, leaving us in a state of heightened unease. Every rational explanation we could think of felt strained, inadequate. These were not just random, isolated incidents, but a string of occurrences that seemed calculated, as if someone, or something, was playing with us. That night, we huddled together, the house no longer feeling welcoming. Our shared fear was a palpable entity in the room, creeping into our dreams when we finally managed to sleep. Marvin, who had always loved sprawling at the foot of our bed, seemed unwilling to stay in our room. He whined, pacing around before finally settling down at the bedroom door, his eyes trained on the darkness beyond. In the silent hours of the night, I found myself staring at the ceiling, my mind filled with dread. The house, our supposed haven, was turning into an enigma, and as our devices continued to glitch around us, it became clear that whatever was happening was far from ordinary. Every tick of the inaccurate clock seemed to echo my escalating fear. The dream house we had been so excited to make a home was revealing its true nature, one glitch at a time. The sun was barely up as I found myself standing in the kitchen, a cup of untouched coffee in hand. The eerie silence of the house weighed heavy around me, disrupted only by the occasional whir of our glitchy appliances. Marvin was a disconcerting sight, skulking around the house with his tail between his legs. His usual spark was replaced with a tense alertness, eyes constantly darting around. He had always been our jovial companion, his energy and cheer filling our days. Seeing him subdued and afraid was deeply unsettling. As the day progressed, Marvin's behavior only grew more erratic. He refused to leave my side, his whimpers echoing my own internal dread. As night approached, he became increasingly nervous. He paced around the house, his gaze fixated on our bedroom. Come on, boy. I tried coaxing him as I climbed the stairs, but he refused to follow. He planted himself at the bottom of the stairs, a whine escaping his lips. I felt a shiver run down my spine as I stared into his scared eyes. He was sensing something we couldn't. Maybe he's just not used to the new place, Mark suggested, but his voice lacked conviction. Marvin's behavior was not normal, not for our adventurous and fearless companion. We tried to carry on as usual, going about our night routine. Yet the sight of Marvin, fearfully refusing to enter our bedroom, hung over us. That night, we slept fitfully, our dreams filled with shadowy figures and unintelligible whispers. Waking up in the middle of the night, 
I was startled by the unusual silence. Marvin, who usually filled our home with his happy snores, was missing. I found him downstairs, crouched by the front door. His eyes were wide and alert, his body taut as he stared intently at the door. A shiver ran through me. I called out to Mark, who appeared at my side, his face pale. We tried to coax Marvin to comfort him, but he wouldn't budge. He seemed intent on guarding us, his fear reflecting our own growing terror. The next few days were a blur of unease and fear. Marvin's behavior served as a constant reminder of the unnerving occurrences. He refused to step foot into our bedroom. We found him on multiple nights, huddled by the front door, his gaze unwavering. Our dream house was quickly becoming a house of fear. Our laughter had been replaced with hushed whispers, our dreams with nightmares. The joy of our new beginning was overshadowed by a deep sense of dread. But the worst was yet to come. As Marvin cowered, his canine instincts on high alert, we were forced to confront the reality of our situation. Our beautiful Victorian house held secrets we couldn't decipher, its history whispering in our ears, crawling under our skin. Every room, every corner seemed to be watching us, waiting. It was our dog who first sensed the lingering dread, and as his fear escalated, so did ours. Unbeknownst to us, we were merely on the edge of the precipice, about to plunge into a world of unknown terror. The strange occurrences in our house continued, each day bringing a new oddity, each night filled with unsettling sounds. The house no longer felt like ours, but rather like we were intruders in a place that didn't want us. The unease clung to us, tinging every moment with a lingering sense of dread. We began to hear footsteps at night, soft thuds echoing through the silence. At first, we convinced ourselves it was just the house settling, the old structure creaking and groaning. But soon, the sounds became more distinct, more intentional. Footsteps, hushed whispers, the soft closing of doors. Our sleep was frequently interrupted by these noises, jolting us awake in the darkness of the night. We would lie there, our hearts pounding in our chests, listening to the footsteps that seemed to wander through our house, to the whispers that filled the silence. Then came the banging on the walls. It would start as a soft thud, like a hand lightly tapping, but slowly it would grow louder, more insistent. The walls would echo with the sound, the noise so real that it felt like someone was trapped within them, trying to get out. Marvin refused to go inside the house entirely, spending his days in the yard, his eyes constantly on the house. His fear only served to heighten our own, his whimpers a chilling soundtrack to our escalating dread. Our cheerful companion was now a shadow of his former self, mirroring our descent into fear. We tried to rationalize, to find plausible explanations. Perhaps it was animals, or maybe the wind. But deep down, we knew these were weak attempts to deny the reality. This was not normal, not natural. We were living in fear, under the roof of our own house. Days turned into weeks, the line between our nightmares and reality blurring. We were caught in a chilling loop, every day a mirror of the last. Footsteps, whispers, bangs. The dread seeped into our lives, tainting every moment. Our dream house was turning into a nightmarish reality, our hopes dissolving into a haze of fear. There was something in our house, something we couldn't see but could feel. It was there in the eerie silence, in the unexplained noises, in Marvin's terrified eyes. It was like living with an unseen presence, a silent observer that didn't want us there. Every creak, every whisper, every footstep was a message, an eerie, bone-chilling message. As fear wrapped around us, holding us captive in our own home, 
we could only wonder about the nature of our invisible housemate. We were yet to uncover the true horror that awaited us, our terrifying journey far from over. The echoes of the unseen were merely a prelude to the symphony of terror that was about to unfold. A month had passed since we moved into our dream-turned-nightmare house. The terror we felt was insidious, poisoning every moment of our lives, sucking the joy out of our once-cherished domestic bliss. The haunting sounds, the shifting objects, the technological malfunctions, all these anomalies created an atmosphere of terror that was impossible to escape. One day, while preparing dinner, the ordinary suddenly morphed into the extraordinary. Marvin, who had been unusually quiet, suddenly erupted into a frenzy of barks. His frantic whines filled the house, raising the hairs on the back of my neck. He was staring at the kitchen counter, his eyes wide and fearful. And then I saw it. A knife, one that I had just used, suddenly lifted off the counter, hovering in the air for a terrifying moment before it flew across the room, narrowly missing us. I screamed, my body frozen in terror, my heart pounding in my chest. Mark! I cried out. He came rushing in, his face going pale as he saw the knife embedded in the wooden cabinet across the room. Marvin continued to bark, his frantic sounds mirroring our own fear. Pack your things, Mark said, his voice shaky but determined. We're leaving tonight. As we hastily packed a few essentials, the house seemed to resonate with a malicious energy. The lights flickered ominously, the footsteps sounded louder, the whispers more urgent. Marvin whined at the door, eager to leave the house that had been terrorizing us. Stepping out into the night, I felt a rush of relief. But as I turned to close the door, my breath hitched in my throat. There, standing in the kitchen window, was a shadowy figure. It was hazy and indistinct, but there was no mistaking the glint in its hand, the same knife that had narrowly missed us. Mark was at my side in an instant, his arm around me as we stared at the terrifying sight. A shadow in our home, holding a knife, an echo of our own terror. We scrambled into our car, our hearts pounding as we left our dream house behind. From the safety of a nearby hotel, we contacted the police. Their search of the house yielded nothing. No signs of forced entry, no shadowy figures, just an eerie, empty house. We were left with more questions than answers, our fear validated yet unexplained. We had been living with a malicious unseen presence, sharing our space with a spectral entity. Our home, the embodiment of our dreams, had turned into a playground for a shadowy figure, its motives unknown, its presence chilling. Our story was far from over. The spectral figure, the haunted house, they were parts of our lives now. The fear, the terror, they had seeped into our existence, forever altering our perception of home. Leaving the house was just the beginning. As we sought to reclaim our peace, we found ourselves delving deeper into the shadows of the past. The figure in the window was a chilling reminder of the supernatural ordeal we had lived through, a symbol of the terror we had left behind and the unknown that lay ahead. We spent a few uneasy weeks at the hotel, an uncomfortable limbo between the terror we left behind and the uncertain future. The image of the shadowy figure holding the knife, the haunting sounds, Marvin's fear, all lingered in our minds, keeping us on edge even away from the house. Returning to that house was out of the question. We decided to hire a moving company to retrieve our belongings. Over the phone, we gave them detailed instructions, explaining where everything was. It felt odd, like we were talking about someone else's home, not the place we'd been so excited to move into just a month ago. The movers were efficient, 
wrapping up their work in a single day. They brought our belongings to a storage unit we'd rented, a temporary solution while we figured out our next steps. They mentioned the eerie feeling they had in the house, the unsettling quiet, but found no signs of the malicious entity that had forced us out. A new fear crept into our lives then, uncertainty. Our life had been thrown into disarray. The home we'd invested so much into was no longer ours to enjoy. We had no idea where to go or what to do next. The comfort and security we once took for granted was replaced by a sense of being lost, of being adrift. Yet, amid this chaos, there was an undeniable sense of relief. We were out of that house, away from the inexplicable events that had turned our lives upside down. Even Marvin seemed happier, his cheerful energy returning little by little in the new environment. Eventually, we made a decision. It was time to move on. We put the house on the market, ready to take a financial hit. We just wanted to be free from the nightmare, to distance ourselves from the terror that had tainted our lives. In a twist of irony, the house was sold to a group of paranormal investigators who were intrigued by our experiences. We shared everything with them, the eerie sounds, the moving objects, the shadowy figure. We warned them of what they were getting into, their excited smiles a stark contrast to the dread that filled our hearts as we recalled our horrifying experience. It was a bittersweet moment when we handed over the keys. There was relief, but also a sense of loss a mourning for the dreams we had woven around that house. But we knew it was a necessary step, the only way to move forward. The ordeal had taken a toll on us, but it had also brought us closer together. We leaned on each other for comfort and strength, our bond deepening in the face of adversity. The haunting had stripped us of our home, but it had given us a renewed appreciation for the intangible, our love, our courage, our determination to overcome. As we drove away from the house for the last time, a feeling of closure washed over me. It was truly the end of a chapter, a dark and terrifying one. Ahead of us lay a new journey, full of uncertainties but also hope. We were survivors, ready to face whatever came next. The house in our rearview mirror was a symbol of our past, a testament to our resilience, and a reminder of the haunting experience we'd never forget. After the sale of the house, we decided to leave the state entirely. The painful memories, the terrifying experiences, all seemed too close, too raw. We needed a fresh start, a place unmarred by the shadows of our past. So we packed our belongings into a moving van, set our sights on the horizon, and began our journey toward a new beginning. Mark and I found a cozy apartment in a bustling city, several states away from our haunted past. It was different from our previous home, the building was modern, the neighbors were close, the noise of the city constant, but it felt right, it felt safe. We slowly started unpacking, filling our new home with familiar belongings, but this time the process was different. Each box we opened, each item we placed, felt like a small victory, a testament to our resilience, a rejection of the fear that had plagued us. Marvin adjusted well to his new surroundings. He seemed more relaxed, his cheerful personality resurfacing, his renewed spirit brought a sense of normality back into our lives, a cherished reminder of the peaceful times before the haunting. Despite the relief of being in a new place, the memories of our old house were never far from our minds. The slightest creak in the night would have us bolting upright in bed, hearts pounding, 
a silent testament to the deep-seated trauma we carried. I found comfort in writing. I started to pen down our experiences, hoping that sharing our story might help others going through similar ordeals. It was a cathartic process, allowing me to revisit our past without the paralyzing fear. I found strength in the retelling, a sense of empowerment that helped me come to terms with our experiences. We tried to get back into the rhythm of our lives, to rebuild the normalcy that the haunting had stripped away. But we were forever changed. Our perspectives had shifted, and our priorities realigned. We were more appreciative of each other, more aware of our own strength, and more resilient in the face of adversity. Yet even as we started anew, there was an unease that clung to us, a ghost of our past ordeal. We often found ourselves looking over our shoulders, listening for sounds in the silence, anticipating the inexplicable. It was a harsh reminder of our haunted past, a constant undercurrent in our new lives. As we started to settle into our new home, the terror of our past started to feel like a distant nightmare. Life was gradually returning to normal, but beneath the surface, there was a quiet acceptance that things would never be the same again. The haunting had forever marked us, leaving an indelible imprint on our lives. We had moved away from the haunted house, away from the state, and yet the specter of our experiences followed us. It was no longer a threatening presence, but rather a shadow of our past that pushed us towards a stronger future. We were starting over, embarking on a new journey. Our story, a mix of dread and resilience, was a testament to our survival, a narrative of a haunting that propelled us towards a new beginning. Months passed, bringing a comforting routine back into our lives. Work, home, weekends, a semblance of normality we'd long yearned for. We began to embrace our new city, exploring local haunts, meeting new people, and allowing ourselves to enjoy the simple pleasures of life once again. But the past was never entirely forgotten. We received occasional updates from the paranormal investigators who had bought our house. They had yet to experience anything as drastic as our encounters, but they did share their findings of strange occurrences, unexplained noises, moving objects, sudden drops in temperature. There was an odd comfort in these updates in knowing that we weren't crazy, that the things we experienced weren't figments of our imagination. Yet with each new piece of information, the past returned, the memories flooding back, the trauma fresh once again. Our past experiences began to bleed into our present life, often in unexpected ways. Every odd noise, every flickering light, every glitch on our devices brought back flashes of our haunting. We found ourselves constantly on edge, the echoes of our past refusing to let us forget. The fear had lessened over time, replaced by an acceptance that the past would always be a part of us. We found comfort in each other, in sharing our fears, in confronting our nightmares together. We leaned on each other, our shared experience creating a bond that was stronger than any ghost or unseen presence. I continued to write, using my words to weave a tapestry of our experiences. My writing evolved from a personal coping mechanism to a shared narrative, resonating with others who had faced similar trials. I began to receive messages from strangers who had been touched by our story, their words of comfort and understanding providing a salve for our lingering wounds. Life went on. We began to reclaim our sense of safety, our sense of home. The trauma from the haunted house had changed us, but it didn't define us. We were more than the couple who had lived in a haunted house. We were survivors, resilient in the face of adversity, 
united in our journey. Our conversation slowly drifted away from the haunting, focusing more on our present life, our future. We planned trips, discussed our dreams, celebrated small victories. The haunted house became a chapter in our life story, a part of our past that had shaped us, but did not define our future. Despite the trials, despite the fear, we found a way to move forward. We learned to live with the ghosts of our past, to accept them as part of our journey. Our lives, once overshadowed by fear, now shone with resilience and love. We had been tested, pushed to our limits, and had come out stronger on the other side. The haunted house, the shadowy figure, the chilling occurrences, they were now just memories, remnants of a time when fear had dictated our lives. We had learned to live with the ghosts of our past, finding strength in our shared experiences, building a life that was no longer dictated by fear, but by hope, love, and resilience. As we settled into our new life, the echoes of our haunted past began to fade. Life in our new city was bustling and vibrant, a stark contrast to the eerie quiet of our previous home. Each day brought new experiences, new faces, new joys, gradually filling the spaces in our lives that had once been consumed by fear. Yet, we never forgot. The haunting was a part of us, a bitter memory that had shaped us in ways we never anticipated. We found ourselves growing stronger, more resilient. We learned to appreciate the little things, to cherish the peace of an undisturbed night, the joy of a simple, uneventful day. We started seeing a therapist to help us deal with the lingering trauma. It was a hard step to take, admitting that we needed help, that we were still struggling, but it was a necessary one. The therapy sessions were tough, bringing back memories we'd rather forget. But with each session, we felt lighter, the heavy burden of our past experiences lessening bit by bit. Even Marvin seemed to be healing in his own way. His playfulness returned, and he found new joy in exploring the city parks. Seeing him happy again, running around without a care, brought us immense relief and happiness. Despite the challenges, our life was slowly getting back to normal or at least a new kind of normal. A normal that included accepting our past, acknowledging our scars, and moving forward with courage and hope. Our experience with the haunted house had, in a twisted way, given us a unique perspective on life. We had faced our deepest fears, survived a terror that most people could not even fathom. We had learned to face the unknown, to challenge our own limits, to find strength in each other, and we carried these lessons into our new life. Mark found a job he loved in the city, and I continued to write, sharing our experiences, our journey. We found new passions, new joys that gave our life meaning beyond our haunting past. We kept in touch with the paranormal investigators, their stories serving as a distant connection to our past. Over time, their messages brought more curiosity than fear. The house was no longer our nightmare, but a distant mystery we were detached from. As we moved further away from our haunted past, we found ourselves drawn closer together. Our shared experiences, our struggles and triumphs, had forged a bond that was unbreakable. We found solace in each other, comfort in our shared understanding, strength in our unity. The haunting had scarred us, but it had also taught us about ourselves, about each other. It showed us our strengths, our ability to endure, to overcome. As we looked towards the future, we were no longer afraid. We had faced the unknown, braved the terrors of the night, and emerged stronger. 
The echoes of our haunted past faded into the distance, but they never disappeared. They were a part of our story, a part of who we were, but they no longer held power over us. We had survived, and we were ready to face whatever came our way. One year after moving to our new city, we received a letter from the paranormal investigators. The house was more active than ever, they said. The events had escalated. The shadowy figure had been seen multiple times. The disturbances were more frequent, more aggressive. But they were undeterred, excited even. They were close to finding some answers, they claimed. They thanked us for our patience and for sharing our experiences with them. Reading their letter, I couldn't help but shudder. I could still remember the terror, the chilling feeling of being watched, the suffocating fear that consumed us. But there was a strange sense of relief, too. We were not alone in our experiences. Our fears were not baseless. There was something in that house, something unexplainable and terrifying. That night, as Mark and I sat on our balcony overlooking the city lights, we found ourselves reminiscing about our past, not with fear or anxiety, but with a sense of disbelief. It felt like a lifetime ago, a different chapter of our lives. We talked about the good times in the house, the hopes we had when we moved in, the dreams we had for our future there. We talked about Marvin and how he, too, had been affected by the haunting. We talked about our fear, our desperation, and our eventual decision to leave. It was a cathartic discussion, a way to acknowledge our past without letting it consume us. The haunted house had become a part of our history, a terrifying memory that had shaped our present. But it was no longer a part of our daily lives, no longer a source of constant fear. We had moved on, we had started anew. As the evening turned into night, we sat there, hand in hand, our hearts beating in rhythm. We looked at each other, our eyes reflecting our shared journey, our shared resilience. We had faced our nightmares together, and we had survived. The haunted house was now just a memory, a distant echo in the landscape of our lives. We were no longer its victims, no longer trapped in its grasp. We were survivors, living proof that even the most terrifying experiences could be overcome. As we gazed out at the city, the lights shimmering like a sea of stars, we knew that we had made the right decision. The haunted house was no longer our home, no longer our nightmare. We were free, unburdened by the past, looking towards a future filled with hope and possibility. The letter from the paranormal investigators had stirred up old memories, but it had also reaffirmed our strength, our courage. We had faced the unknown, we had survived the terror, and we had emerged stronger. We were ready to face whatever came our way, together. As we retreated into our peaceful home, I felt a deep sense of gratitude. We had survived, and we had each other. We had a home that was safe, a life that was our own. We had moved on from our haunted past, and we were ready to embrace whatever the future held for us. Years later, our lives were so different from the nightmarish time in that haunted house that it almost felt like someone else's story. We were living in a different state, immersed in a city full of life and energy. We had new jobs, new friends, and had built a peaceful life together. The haunting, though still a part of our past, was no longer a specter looming over us. We had moved on, but we had not forgotten. It had become a part of our narrative, a chilling chapter in our shared history. Our haunted house was now the subject of a popular ghost hunting show, its terrifying history a source of fascination for viewers. We watched an episode once, 
curious and a little unnerved. It was surreal, watching others navigate the house we once called home, their fear echoing our own past terror. Mark and I would sometimes find ourselves discussing those strange and terrifying days, not with dread, but with a sense of distance and disbelief. We would remind each other of the strength we discovered, the resilience we developed, and the bond that was forged in those haunted rooms. Marvin, our ever-faithful companion, was getting older but still loved his walks in the park. His fear had faded over time, replaced with the carefree joy of a dog living his best life. His happiness was a symbol of our triumph over the horrors of the past. We had moved on from our haunted past, creating a life far removed from the fear and uncertainty that had once consumed us. We had survived, and we were stronger for it. One day, while packing up our apartment to move into our new house, we found an old photo of us in front of the haunted house. We were young, full of hope and dreams. It was taken on the day we moved in, oblivious to the horrors that awaited us. We looked at it for a while, silent, lost in memories. Then Mark put his arm around me, pulling me close. We looked at the picture again, not with fear or regret, but with a sense of resolution. That was us then, he said, his voice soft but firm. We're different now. And he was right. We were different. We had faced the unimaginable, had walked through the shadows of fear, and had come out the other side. We were survivors, stronger and more resilient than we ever thought possible. We put the photo in a box, a reminder of our past, a symbol of our journey. But it was just that, a memory, a moment in time that had shaped us, but no longer defined us. As we closed the door on our apartment for the last time, looking ahead to our new house, our new beginning, I felt a sense of peace. We had survived the haunted house, and we had built a new life together. We were no longer the scared couple who had fled from a haunted house in the dead of night. We were survivors, stronger than our fears, ready to face whatever life had in store for us. The haunted house was a part of our past, a chapter in our story, but it was just that, a part of our past. Our story was far from over, and we were ready to write the next chapter, together. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. I've always been a peculiar breed, a unique sort of individual with an insatiable curiosity for the mysterious and unexplained. I am James, a devoted collector of the uncanny, the chilling, the peculiar. Every item in my collection tells a story, an eerie narrative that threads the line between reality and the supernatural. The morbid attraction began when I was a mere child, 
an unusual penchant for a boy of my age, but it clung to me, growing with me into adulthood. At the heart of my suburban home lies a dedicated room, housing a myriad of peculiar objects. An old withered doll from an abandoned attic in Maine, a mirror said to be possessed from a dilapidated house in New Orleans, a strange amulet I found in the rural backwoods of Virginia, each item a testament to my relentless pursuit of the eerie and unknown. But there was something missing, something big, bold, and terrifying, something that would be the piecing crescendo to my collection. A trip to Texas, the grand repository of all things haunted and scary, was the next step. Texas, with its vast expanses, desolate barns, and unsettling legends, had always intrigued me. And so, with my thirst for the paranormal guiding me, I set out on a journey that, unbeknownst to me, would alter my life forever. The day of departure arrived faster than anticipated. I was overtaken by an overwhelming mix of excitement and apprehension as I left my cozy home and my tabby cat, Luna, behind. I packed lightly, a few clothes, essential toiletries, and a camera to capture any spooky discoveries. As I embarked on the road trip, the cool wind in my hair and the open highway stretched out in front of me. I felt the thrill of adventure and the allure of the unknown. I had always enjoyed road trips, the sense of freedom they bestowed, the endless possibilities that the open road hinted at. But this trip had a different taste to it. There was an added intensity, a distinct layer of anticipation that cloaked the journey. I wanted to uncover stories buried within time, narratives whispered in the wind and the trees, secrets locked away in old dilapidated barns, and dusty forgotten items in obscure shops. As my old Chevy hummed along the Texan highways, I lost myself in the thoughts of what I would find, the stories I would uncover, and the eerie objects I would add to my collection. Little did I know then how much my world was about to tilt on its axis, how drastically my collection was about to evolve. The first leg of the trip was uneventful, a calm before a storm I wasn't even aware was brewing. With the soft glow of the setting sun on the horizon, I ventured deeper into Texas, into the heart of the unknown, driven by my obsession. And that's when I saw it, an antiquated shop, standing in solitude, almost daring me to uncover its secrets. The old shop, waiting silently for its story to be unraveled, was the first chapter of my thrilling, terrifying journey into the unknown. Little did I know then, the truth was waiting just beyond its threshold. As I parked the Chevy alongside the gravelly path leading to the shop, a distinct chill ran down my spine. The shop, a standalone entity in an otherwise deserted landscape, was as eerie as the stories I'd only read about. It was old and faded, with an aging wooden sign swinging precariously in the dusty wind. Walking towards it, I felt a strange energy that seemed to be pulling me in, beckoning me to discover what lay inside. As my boots crunched on the gravel, I could almost hear the whispers of the past, as if the shop itself was a testament to countless untold tales. Pushing open the creaky wooden door, a wave of cool, musty air enveloped me. The shop was dimly lit, casting long shadows that danced eerily against the walls. An odd assortment of items, each seemingly steeped in a haunting past, was scattered throughout. Old dolls with faded glassy eyes, strange talismans, withered books, and antique furniture lay haphazardly around, creating a sense of organized chaos. It was then that I noticed her. Sitting in the corner behind an old oak desk strewn with yellowing papers was an old woman. 
She looked as ancient as the shop itself. Her pale skin was a network of deep-set lines, and her watery blue eyes held a curious mix of weariness and sharpness. A veil of silver hair was pulled back into a loose bun, revealing her piercing gaze that held an unsettling intensity. Welcome, young man. Her voice, though frail, carried a weight, echoing in the quiet room. Take your time to look around. I nodded, my curiosity piqued. As I wandered through the shop, I could feel her gaze following me, adding a layer of discomfort to my already heightened senses. Despite the unease, I was intrigued. Every item in the shop seemed to whisper a narrative of its own, inviting me to delve into its history. Dusty portraits, time-ravaged ornaments, tattered dolls, and mysterious trinkets seemed to stare back at me as I moved along the cramped aisles. There was a pervasive sense of the uncanny that hung heavy in the air. Yet, despite the shop's eerie aura, it was fascinating, drawing me deeper into its labyrinth of mystery. In the midst of this peculiar chaos, my eyes were drawn to a glass case at the back of the shop. Behind the smeared and streaky glass, a painting was visible. It depicted an old barn house, standing alone in a barren landscape. It seemed both simple and ominous at the same time. I felt an indescribable pull towards it, a magnetic force drawing me closer. The atmosphere around me shifted. The whispers of the past seemed to grow louder, and a chill ran through me. Ah, you found the painting, the old woman's voice echoed through the room. I turned around to see her staring intently at me. The ghost of a smile played on her cracked lips, an enigmatic look in her eyes. Every instinct told me that this painting was what I had been searching for, something that would lead me on a path of mystery and terror. Unaware of the uncharted journey I was about to embark upon, I walked towards the old woman, ready to learn about the painting's unsettling past. The painting was beautiful, yet haunting. It showed an old barn house in a desolate field, a lonely structure standing against the backdrop of a dark, looming sky. The artist had brilliantly captured the essence of isolation and melancholy that seemed to radiate from the canvas. I felt a shiver of anticipation run down my spine as I stepped closer. Interesting piece, isn't it? The old woman croaked, her voice breaking the eerie silence of the shop. I'd say so, I replied, unable to peel my gaze away from the canvas. There's something unsettling about it. A slow, mirthless chuckle escaped her, filling the quiet room. That's because it carries with it a tale she said, leaning back in her rickety chair, her gaze never wavering from my face. With bated breath, I asked her to share the story. The room seemed to darken, the whispers quietened, and I could hear my own heart pounding in my ears as she began to weave the narrative of the barnhouse painting. It belonged to a couple, she began, her voice wavering but resolute. In the 1920s they lived, a simple pair, living a quiet life in the heartland of Texas. Their happiness reflected in their abode, their safe haven, that barn house you see in the painting. She paused, her roomy eyes reflecting a far-off melancholy as if she were lost in the recesses of time. One tragic night their world turned to ashes, she continued, her voice barely above a whisper. A fire erupted, out of nowhere and engulfed their haven. The barn house was mostly destroyed, their lives lost within. They were never found, and their disappearance birthed stories eerie narratives of the couple and the cursed barnhouse. The tale sent chills running down my spine. I stared at the painting, the barnhouse now seeming more haunting, shadowed by its chilling past. The strange part is, she continued, her eyes twinkling with a hint of macabre delight, that the painting was found unscathed. 
in one of the few rooms the fire hadn't touched, like it was protected, guarded. My heart pounded in my chest. The story was exactly the type of narrative that would perfectly accompany an addition to my collection. The painting was not just a canvas of colors, it was steeped in a history that was both fascinating and terrifying. And how did you come across it? I asked, my voice barely a whisper, not wanting to break the heavy silence that had fallen in the room. A traveling art salesman sold it to me in 1985, she said, shrugging her frail shoulders. Been in my shop since. Nobody's shown any interest till you. I couldn't help the exhilaration that bubbled inside me. I was on the precipice of acquiring an item that was not only visually appealing, but also carried an eerie tale of a time long past. I could hardly contain my excitement, oblivious to the chain of events this painting was about to unleash in my life. The old woman's story about the painting hung in the air, enveloping the shop in a cloak of mystery and intrigue. As I continued to stare at the painting, my reflection caught in the glass casing. I felt a connection with the haunted barn house and the couple who had once called it home. The melancholic atmosphere, the tragic history, and the enigma surrounding the untouched painting had kindled an irresistible pull. How much is the painting? I asked, my voice barely above a whisper, a strange sense of reverence coloring my tone. She turned her ancient eyes back to me and after what seemed like an eternity, she said, Well, young man, I reckon it's 150. But seeing your interest, I'd let you have it for 100. A surge of elation rushed through me. This was more than I could have hoped for. I quickly pulled out my wallet and counted the bills, placing them on her worn-out desk. As I did, I noticed a sudden shift in her demeanor. The ghostly glint in her eyes appeared to brighten, and as she took the money, her mouth twitched upwards into what could only be described as a creepy grin. Ignoring the discomfort her expression caused, I picked up the painting, my fingers brushing against the cold frame. A shiver ran down my spine, but I chalked it up to the thrill of owning such a significant piece. I thanked the old woman, her unsettling grin still etched on her face. Take care of it, young man, she murmured as I exited the shop, the painting safely wrapped under my arm. The shop door creaked shut behind me, sealing the old woman and her collection of eerie items inside. The drive back to the motel was silent, the only sound the occasional hum of passing vehicles and my heart pounding with anticipation. The painting sat on the passenger seat, its presence filling the space. I couldn't help but steal glances at it, the thrill of the acquisition still coursing through me. It was more than just a painting. It was a piece of history, shrouded in mystery and melancholy, a perfect addition to my collection. As I pulled into the motel's parking lot, the orange glow of the setting sun casting long shadows across the landscape, I felt an odd sense of foreboding. Shrugging it off as nothing more than the after-effects of the creepy tale, I gathered my belongings and the painting, my excitement for the new addition to my collection outpacing the feeling of unease. I couldn't have been more mistaken, for I was not only bringing in an artifact, a piece of painted canvas, but I was also inviting in an unseen presence, a dormant force that would soon awaken. Little did I know then, my journey with the haunted barnhouse painting was just beginning. The drive home was a long one, stretching over several hours of flat landscapes and faded signs. My cat, Whiskers, had already finished greeting me with enthusiastic purrs and nestled in my lap as I unloaded the car, bringing in my new acquisitions. As I carefully unwrapped the painting, Whiskers stiffened, 
her green eyes darting towards it. Dismissing it as a momentary distraction, I continued to reveal the canvas. The painting was even more compelling in the comfort of my own home. Its haunting aura was heightened against the backdrop of my living room. The barn house, a solitary structure under the stormy skies, seemed to come alive, almost as if it existed somewhere within the confines of my home, not just on the canvas. It took a few minutes to find the perfect spot for it, the wall facing my aged leather couch. As I hung it up, a gust of cold air swept through the room. Strange, considering it was midsummer in Texas. Intrigued, yet somewhat unnerved, I spent the rest of the day cleaning and arranging the other items from the shop. An antique pocket watch, a worn-out journal, and a couple of other peculiar items found their places within my growing collection. Whiskers watched from the corner, her gaze occasionally darting back to the painting. Over the next few days, I noticed oddities around the house. Whiskers would sit staring at the painting, her usually playful demeanor replaced by an unnerving stillness. The house itself felt colder, especially around the living room. I would crank up the heating, but it was as though the warmth refused to touch that particular area. When the quirk with the thermostat persisted, I called the landlord. The idea of sitting in a cold living room while the Texas sun blazed outside was uncomfortable, to say the least. The maintenance crew arrived, poked around the vents, checked the heater, and scratched their heads. Nothing seemed out of place. No drafts, no issues with the heater, nothing that would explain the unseasonal coldness. As they left, exchanging puzzled glances, I shrugged and decided to put on a sweater when watching TV in the living room. A little odd, I mused but nothing overly concerning. Whiskers, however, seemed less comfortable. She'd stopped venturing into the living room entirely, her unease around the painting growing more pronounced. I found this strange, but attributed it to her capricious feline instincts. I remained oblivious to the subtle changes that were gradually encroaching upon my peaceful life. Even as the clocks around the house started malfunctioning, always freezing at the same eerie time of 3.33, even as Whiskers became more anxious. I remained unconcerned. If only I had known that the chilling story that had drawn me towards the painting was not mere folklore, not just an eerie tale spun by an old woman. The painting, a silent observer on my wall, was a gateway, one that had just begun to open, ushering in a chain of events that would unravel my reality, piece by piece. A week passed. My life had started to seem like an episode straight out of a horror anthology, and yet, I was more intrigued than frightened. The constant chill in my living room, the bizarre behavior of my cat, and the weird ticking of the clocks had started to feel like an adrenaline rush, pushing the boundaries of my fascination with the supernatural. It was a particularly gloomy night. A heavy storm had rolled in, the thunderstorm providing a perfectly eerie background score. I had just settled down on my couch for a movie marathon, the creepy painting keeping me company. Halfway through a classic horror film, the TV abruptly turned to static, the sharp white noise slicing through the room. Then, without any warning, it shut off completely. In the blank screen I caught a glimpse of my reflection, but there was something else, something that didn't belong. A silhouette, a vague shape of a woman in a dress, appeared in the reflection behind me. A cold shiver ran down my spine as I turned around swiftly, expecting to face an intruder but there was nothing. The living room was empty except for the regular furniture and the chilling painting hanging on the wall. My heart pounded in my chest, 
I searched the house, going from room to room, every creak and thump amplified by my heightened senses. But there was nothing amiss, nothing out of place, except the uneasy stillness that hung in the air. Reluctantly, I decided to sleep, putting off the strange occurrence as a trick of the mind, perhaps the result of watching one too many horror films. I retreated to my bedroom, leaving the living room in darkness, the painting of the barn house a mere shadow against the wall. I don't know how long I slept, but I was jolted awake by the hissing and growling of whiskers. My heart pounded in my chest as I snapped on the light, only to be greeted by a terrifying sight. There, stabbed into the couch where I had been sitting earlier, was a pocket knife. The painting of the barn house had been turned upside down. My blood ran cold. This wasn't some minor quirk, not a flickering bulb or a malfunctioning thermostat. This was something real, tangible, and chilling. The eerie story behind the painting was no longer just a story. It had trespassed into my reality. I called the police, my hands shaking as I dialed the number. Whiskers, her fur on end, huddled close to me, her eyes wide with fear. As the distant sirens grew closer, I couldn't shake off the feeling of being watched, of not being alone in my own house. I looked over at the painting, its upside-down image seemingly more ominous. The image of the barn house seemed to pulsate in the dim light, almost as if it was alive. The uncanny feeling of dread enveloped me as I waited for the police, the beginnings of regret slowly seeping into my thoughts. This was more than I had bargained for, more than just an addition to my collection. It was a dark entity, one that was ready to reveal its terrifying reality. The police arrived, their blue and red lights casting strange shadows around my living room. The sight of the officers in my home, investigating a situation that had arisen from an item in my collection, was unsettling. I explained the strange incidents that had led to this moment, my voice shaky as I recounted the eerie events. They looked skeptical, but dutifully went about their work, examining the pocket knife in the couch, questioning me about possible intruders, and noting the upside-down painting. Despite the gravity of the situation, I saw one of the officers suppress a smirk when I explained the history of the painting and its possible connection to the events. Hours later, after a thorough inspection of my house and its surroundings, they had found no signs of forced entry or any evidence of a break-in. Their final assessment was that Whiskers must have somehow caused the commotion, a theory that I found ridiculous. Yet without any other logical explanation, they advised me to keep an eye out for further disturbances and to call them if anything else happened. The officer's departure left me feeling a strange combination of relief and frustration. Their lack of belief was infuriating, yet it was comforting to have rational minds dismiss the eerie occurrences as mere coincidence. Over the next few days, things spiraled further out of control. My TV started turning on and off at odd hours, startling me awake with random bursts of sound. Whiskers had become exceedingly jittery and refused to set foot in the living room. The chill in the house was more pronounced, and the unexplainable incidents more frequent. My initial fascination was giving way to a creeping sense of dread. It was becoming increasingly clear that the painting was more than just a piece of art with a tragic backstory. I was dealing with something intangible, something beyond my understanding. There were nights when I woke up, feeling the distinct chill of the living room seeping into my bedroom. More than once I heard strange sounds, like whispers in a language I couldn't understand. On one particularly terrifying occasion, I woke up to the painting missing from the living room. 
only to find it back on the wall in the morning. This wasn't what I had signed up for. My interest in the supernatural was meant to be thrilling, not terrifying. Yet here I was, stuck in a situation straight out of a horror novel, living with a haunted painting and a terrified cat. The painting had stopped being a piece of art. It had become a source of fear, a gateway to the other side, or perhaps a curse that was slowly claiming my home. The realization hit me hard, the gravity of the situation sinking in. This was not just about an unusual piece in my collection anymore. It was about my sanity, my safety, and the increasingly threatening presence that I had unknowingly invited into my home. With every passing day, my fear grew. The once familiar confines of my home now tainted with a sinister presence. Sleep eluded me, my dreams invaded by images of the barn house, each more disturbing than the last. The terror-stricken cries of whiskers often echoed through the house, sending shivers down my spine. One evening, after yet another terrifying encounter, I decided it was time to end this. The haunted painting needed to go. I couldn't bear the thought of another night of fear and uncertainty. I was desperate to reclaim the peace of my home. I removed the painting from the wall, its grim image seeming to mock me. I wrapped it up, tucking it away in the old box I'd initially brought it in from the shop. As I closed the box, it felt like I was shutting away a dark chapter of my life. The relief was immediate, a physical weight lifted from my shoulders. But where was I to take it? Who would willingly accept such a terrorizing artifact? I considered throwing it away, burning it even, but the thought of igniting an angry spirit terrified me. No, it needed to go back to where it came from. I contacted the old woman who owned the shop in Texas, my voice shaking as I relayed my experiences. There was a long silence on the other end of the phone, followed by a quiet acceptance of my request to return the painting. She seemed unsurprised, almost as though she had expected my call. I wasted no time. The following morning, I loaded up my car and set out on the familiar route back to the little shop in Texas. The drive was long and grueling, each mile seeming to take forever, yet I was resolute in my determination. Upon reaching the shop, I was greeted by the familiar sight of the old woman, her eyes filled with an odd mix of empathy and resignation. I handed her the box, the painting wrapped securely inside. She took it without a word, her gaze lingering on the box, her expression unreadable. As I turned to leave, she looked at me, her voice grave. Remember, some things are best left alone, son. Her words echoed in my ears as I drove away from the shop, leaving behind the cursed painting and hopefully the terrifying events of the past weeks. Back home, I felt the difference immediately. The eerie coldness that had once gripped my living room was gone. Whiskers seemed to breathe a sigh of relief, her nervous energy replaced by her typical playful demeanor. The clocks ticked away normally, and my house once again felt like home. Yet the relief was tainted. The memories of the terrifying ordeal remained, like a dark shadow in the corners of my mind. The nightmares were less frequent, but still a stark reminder of the fear I had lived with. I burnt sage throughout the house, a cleansing ritual to rid the space of any residual energy. As the smoke curled up into the air, I hoped for a new beginning, a fresh start devoid of eerie paintings and the shadows they cast. But little did I know, the aftermath of my encounter with the haunted painting was far from over. Days turned into weeks, and life started to regain some semblance of normalcy. I immersed myself in the mundane desperately trying to forget the chilling events associated with the painting. I started taking walks, 
spending time outdoors, trying to shake off the eerie memories that clung to my home. Yet the echoes of the supernatural refused to leave. Every creak of the wooden floor, every gust of wind rattling the windows, brought a chill of unease. The living room, once my favorite spot in the house, had become a room I dreaded entering. Its very walls seemed to whisper tales of the past. Whiskers, too, was different. Though she was more at ease than before, I noticed her frequently glancing towards the spot where the painting once hung. It was as if she could still sense the malevolent energy that had once resided there. Despite the relief of having gotten rid of the painting, a lingering dread continued to hang over my home. I found myself jumping at the slightest sounds, my dreams invaded by the haunting image of the barn house. Sleep was often elusive, and when it came, it was filled with nightmares. In my dreams, I found myself standing in front of the barn house from the painting. The structure loomed ominously in the moonlight, its once vibrant colors now a dull, decaying gray. I could hear the faint crackling of fire, smell the acrid smoke, and the gut-wrenching sensation of fear that hung in the air. I would wake up in a cold sweat, my heart pounding, the image of the barn house burned into my mind. The dreams were a constant reminder of the terrifying ordeal I had been through, and a haunting suggestion that it wasn't over yet. My home, once a place of comfort, felt different now. Despite the removal of the haunted painting, there was a lingering coldness, an invisible shroud of unease that had settled over it. My once-prized collection of spooky items no longer held the same appeal, each object a painful reminder of the horrifying ordeal with the painting. I had thought that by returning the painting, I would put an end to the paranormal occurrences that had turned my life upside down. Yet, the strange things didn't end. I could still feel a spectral presence, a chill in the air, a feeling of being watched. It was subtle, not as terrifying as before, but it was there, a reminder of the haunting past. I started to question my actions, wondering if I had done enough to rid my home of the paranormal entity that had once resided in the painting. Was it truly gone? Or had I merely muted it, its presence still lingering within the confines of my home? The chilling uncertainty became my constant companion, overshadowing the relief of having gotten rid of the haunted painting. The once fascinating world of the supernatural had become a living nightmare, a chilling chapter of my life that refused to close. As I lay awake night after night, plagued by the echoes of the past, I realized the terrifying truth. The painting was gone, but its spectral imprint had been left behind, its ghostly shadow cast over my home, a haunting reminder of the supernatural terror I had once welcomed into my life. The spectral remnants of the painting continued to cast a pall over my life. The dread that had once consumed me now simmered on a low burn, a constant reminder of the ordeal I'd been through. However, as weeks turned into months, the intensity of the ghostly presence seemed to fade. In the silence of my home, I still felt whispers of the past, traces of an energy that had once held me captive. My dreams were less frequent, but the image of the barn house still haunted me, the flames dancing in my subconscious. Yet, I noticed that with each passing day, my fear was gradually being replaced by a sense of melancholic acceptance. I started spending more time in the living room, reclaiming the space that had been tainted by fear. I began to rearrange the furniture, fill the room with new art, and most importantly, the wall where the painting had once hung was now adorned with a vibrant landscape, a stark contrast to the eerie barnhouse. 
Whiskers seemed to sense the change, too. She gradually returned to her old self, her attention shifting from the wall to the numerous balls of yarn I'd scattered around for her. There was still an occasional moment of tenseness, a flicker in her eyes that reminded me of our shared trauma, but those moments were fewer and far between. My collection of spooky items was stored away, their presence a painful reminder of the ordeal. Instead, my interest shifted towards artifacts that offered comfort and warmth, things that reminded me of the beautiful aspects of life, rather than the eerie and uncanny. Every so often I would find myself standing in front of the landscape painting, my gaze locked onto the serene depiction of nature. I'd remember the haunted painting, the terror it had instilled, and the silence that had followed its removal. It was a poignant reminder of the ordeal, a testimony of the fear I had overcome. The burning of sage became a regular ritual. The earthy aroma filled my home, seeming to cleanse it of its painful past and imbue it with a sense of calm. It was a therapeutic practice, one that allowed me to assert my control over my home, to declare it a place of peace, free from the influence of the supernatural. As time passed, the remnants of the supernatural faded further into the background. My home started to feel like a sanctuary again, the ghostly whispers reducing to faint echoes. My nights were still occasionally plagued by nightmares, but they too were less intense, less terrifying. The calm was slow and gradual, but it was there. It was in the peaceful purring of whiskers, the normal ticking of the clocks, and the comforting warmth of my living room. It was a calm that came after a storm, a tranquility that followed chaos, a peace that came with the understanding that the haunted painting, while gone, had left an indelible mark on my life. Life was getting back to normal. The past was fading into a dark memory. Yet the shadow of the haunted painting, though faint, remained a constant in my life. It served as a reminder, a cautionary tale of my brush with the supernatural, a testament to the fact that some things, indeed, were best left alone. With each passing day, the normalcy that had gradually crept back into my life took firmer root. I went about my days, finding comfort in the familiar rhythms of life. Whiskers' playful antics, the comforting aroma of my morning coffee, even the mundane task of sorting through emails, everything seemed to serve as a gentle reassurance that I was moving on from the ghastly chapter of my life. Yet, there were nights when the calm was punctuated by terrifying nightmares, vivid and visceral, each one an echo of the past. I would wake up gasping, the memory of the burning barnhouse fresh in my mind. The sense of fear, though lessened, lingered, a ghost of what it once was. One particular nightmare stands out. I was standing in front of the burning barnhouse, the crackle of the flames deafening in the stillness of the night. A woman in a dress appeared out of nowhere, her figure glowing in the inferno's light. She pointed towards the painting, a pleading look in her eyes. As I reached out to her, I woke up, my heart pounding in my chest. That morning, as I sat with a cup of coffee, I reflected on the dream. Something about it felt different, more profound. It felt less like a nightmare, and more like a farewell. It was as if the spirit associated with the painting had come to say goodbye, to finally sever the connection that had been formed when I brought the painting into my home. In the weeks that followed, the nightmare ceased completely. The phantom coldness that had once shrouded my living room lifted, replaced by a warmth that felt comforting. The sense of unease that I had come to associate with my home was replaced by a peace that felt genuine and lasting. 
The cat, too, seemed more at ease. Whiskers no longer glanced warily at the wall where the haunted painting had once hung. Her behavior was reminiscent of the time before the painting, when she was just a regular cat with a penchant for yarn balls and sunlit window sills. The landscape painting on my wall became a symbol of the new chapter of my life. It represented the transition from a life plagued by supernatural dread to one filled with normalcy and peace. It was a reminder that while the past was a part of me, it did not define me. I had journeyed through a terrifying encounter with the supernatural, experienced fear and desperation, and emerged stronger. The echoes of the past were now just that, echoes. The lingering dread had faded, replaced by a sense of resilience. In this newfound calm, I found the strength to face my fears, to come to terms with my past, and to embrace the promise of a brighter future. The haunted painting was now just a dark chapter in the story of my life, one that I had successfully navigated. My home was my sanctuary again, a place where I felt safe and at peace. In the end, the nightmare had ended, the shadows had retreated, and all that was left was a man and his cat, living their life in their peaceful abode, with the knowledge that they had faced the worst and come out the other side. In its place, they found a new appreciation for the normalcy and a renewed love for their home. And in that, they found their happy ending. A year had passed since I had rid my home of the haunted painting. It had been a year of healing, of rediscovering the joy of a life unburdened by supernatural dread. My home was no longer a place of fear, but a sanctuary where I could find peace. I no longer collected spooky items. The fascination I once had with the supernatural had lost its charm. Instead, my interest had shifted to art, nature, and the simple joys of life. The quiet beauty of the landscape painting that now hung on my wall held more appeal than any ghostly relic. Whiskers was as spirited as ever, her feline curiosity no longer directed at spectral presences, but at the simple pleasures of a cat's life. We spent our days in peaceful companionship, her purring a comforting soundtrack to my quiet existence. I found myself appreciating the smaller things, the aspects of life I had once overlooked, the warmth of the sun on my skin, the sound of birdsong from outside the window, the rich aroma of freshly brewed coffee. Each was a reminder of the calm, normal life I had reclaimed. The memories of the haunted painting and the fear it had instilled were still there, but they no longer held the power to terrify me. They were a part of my past, a chapter of my life that had been dark and frightening, but was now over. Occasionally I'd find my gaze drawn to the wall where the painting had once hung. The landscape painting that now adorned it was vibrant and alive, a stark contrast to the eerie stillness of the barn house. I'd remember the fear, the sense of dread, and then I'd look around my home, at the peace I had found, and feel a sense of quiet satisfaction. I had faced the worst, been gripped by fear, but I had survived. I had taken back control, reclaimed my home, and found a new lease on life. I was no longer James, the man with the haunted painting, but simply James, a man with an appreciation for the peace of normal life. At night, I would lie in bed, whiskers purring softly at my feet, and listen to the familiar sounds of my home. The ticking of the clocks was no longer a chilling reminder of supernatural dread, but a comforting rhythm in the silence. I'd often fall asleep with a smile on my face, grateful for the peace that had returned to my life. My dreams were no longer haunted by burning barnhouses or spectral women. Instead, 
They were filled with sunlight, nature, and the simple pleasures of life. In the end, my encounter with the supernatural had taught me a valuable lesson. Some things are better left alone. The world of the supernatural with its allure and mystery also held a darkness that was terrifying and real. I had sought it out, been drawn into its depths, and had barely escaped. Now I was content to live my life in the realm of the normal, away from the shadows of the supernatural. I had found my peace, my normalcy, and most importantly, I had found a new appreciation for the simple, beautiful things in life. I had survived the haunted painting, and in doing so had discovered a new, peaceful chapter of my life. And that was more than enough for me.